Hi everyone, this is Scott Lutz, and today we are in Joshua chapter 17, verses 1 through, um, just give me a second, 1 through, um, 18, it's going to be the full chapter, so let's go ahead and read the scripture, um, this was an allotment for the tribe of Manasseh, as Joseph's firstborn, that is, for Maker, Manasseh's firstborn, Maker was the ancestor of the Gileadites, who had received Gilead and Bashan, because the Maccarites were great soldiers. So, so this allotment was was for the rest of the people of Manasseh, the clans of Abizar, Halak, Asriel, Shechem, Hefer, and Shemadiah. This, these are the other male descendants of Manasseh, son of Joseph, by their clans. Now, Jelophehad, son of Hefer, the son of Gilead, the son of Maker, the son of Manasseh, had no sons, but only daughters, whose names were Mahla, Noah, Hagla, Milcah, and Terzah. They were the went to Eleazar the priest, Joshua, son of Nun, and the leaders, and said, The Lord commanded Moses to give us an inheritance among our brothers. So Joshua gave them an inheritance along with the brothers of their father. According to the Lord's command, Manasseh's share consisted of ten tracts of land besides Gilead and Bashan, east of the Jordan. Because the daughters of the tribe of Manasseh received an inheritance among the sons. The land of Gilead belonged to the breast of the descendants of Manasseh. The territory of Manasseh extended from Asher to Mithah, east of Shechem. The boundary ran southward from there to the to include the people living at En Tapua. Manasseh had the land of Tapua, but Tapua itself on the boundary of Manasseh belonged to the Ephraimites. Then the boundary continued south to the Cana Ravine. There were towns belonging to Ephraim laying across the towns of Manasseh, but the boundary of Manasseh was the northern side of the ravine and ended at the sea. On the south, the land belonged to Ephraim on the north to Manasseh. The territory of Manasseh reached the sea of, and border, Asher on the north and Issachar on the east. Within Issachar and Asher, Manasseh also had Beth Shan, Ibelium, and the people of Dor, Endor, Tanach, and Megiddo, together with their surrounding settlements, the third in the list of Nephoth. Yet the Manassites were not able to occupy these towns, for the Canaanites were determined to live in that region. However, when the Israelites grew stronger, they subjected the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not drive them out completely. The people of Joseph said to, jo- to Joshua, Why have you given us only one allotment? and one portion for our inheritance. We are a numerous people, and the Lord has blessed us abundantly. 
If you are so numerous, Joshua answered, and if the hill country of Ephraim is too small for you, go up into the forest and clear land for yourselves there in the land of, of the Perizzites and Raphites. The people of Joseph replied, The hill country is not enough for us, and all the Canaanites who live in the plain have iron chariots, both those in Beth Shan and its settlements and those in the valley of Jezreel. But Joshua said to the house of Joseph, To Ephraim and Manasseh, You are numerous and very powerful. You will have not only one allotment, but the forested hill country as well. Clear it out, and its farthest limits will be yours. Though the Canaanites have iron chariots, and though they are strong, you can drive them out. Let's go ahead and uh, head down now to the New Testament. Um, that is uh, um, going to be uh, a continuation of what we started yesterday of uh, of the allotment of Ephraim and Manasseh. So we'll, that'll read as part two of these scriptures. Um, okay, so give me just a second as I write this down so that we can make sure this is done correctly. Alright, so let's go ahead and head to Romans. Alright, where we can continue to read the, the letters of Romans that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. Um, and, you know, Romans is a unique book because it, it's helping us these all the books of Paul, um, all these letters that Paul wrote was to encourage us and to build our church and churches and to encourage us to live more Christian lives. So um, let's go ahead and read the scripture. We are in Romans chapter six, verses one through uh, twenty-three. So let's go ahead and begin. Dead to sin, alive in Christ. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We did to we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or do you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ just were baptized into his death? We were bur therefore buried with him throughout baptism into death into in order that just as Christ had raised, was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin now if we if we died with Christ we believe that we will also live with him for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead he cannot die again death no longer has mastery over him the death is he died he died to sin once for all but the life he lives, he must, he lives to, to God. In the same way, God, count yourself dead 
to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. So not do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. Slaves to righteousness. But then, shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer set yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one who you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I put this in the human terms because you are weak in your natural selves, just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness. So now they offer them into slavery to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Father in heaven, I just praise and thank you for being who you are, for being our Lord and Savior. I just ask and thank you for this day. Thank you for getting us today, and thank you for this holiday, Lord. Um, I ask that you be with everyone this Thanksgiving holiday, and that your blessings will be upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.